every day I come up with a different sketch. I'd love to do long form videos. I always dreamed of doing something like Jim Morrison's American Prayer. I want to I want to get my opinion out there, but I'm not. I'm trying to do it in a way that everyone can use the platform. People that agree with me and don't agree with me. All all I'm saying is my 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 belief and what I consider fact. Anyone, no one is no one is off limits. Whether you be white, black, communist, Roscommonist, <laughs> anyone. How are you getting on? I'm joined today by Stephen Kelly. You might know him from TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. He's the face of three books left. You might also know him from Hardy Books, where he was playing the character, the cowboy. Thanks for joining me, Steve. How are you getting on? I am doing, I'm doing great. Now, when you're talking about the Hardy Books, I, I always say this on podcast, I was only a satellite character and I, I, I used it as a base then over, over, over lockdown to create my own thing. I wish, I wish I could bring, bring myself back to when the Hardy Box started. I, I never, I never thought, and I should have thought because there was absolute legends involved. In it. Uh, Mark Maloney, Chris Tardoff, who Chris I didn't know as much as the, as the rest of them, but quickly found out that he was he was a different level altogether. Himself and Mark were just talented. And funny, and there were two opposites as well. So th- when they came together, they created something unique. And um, and then you had the likes of Owen Cardigan, who was witty. He came out of the womb witty. <laughs> and and then there was just all these type of characters. If I could bring myself back to that time again, I would have. I would have given a lot more time to it. I was always working, and never realised it was going to become the phenomenon that it did. And getting straight into it I, I was just about to say um i can't believe how sound every one of you are like when i text on it was the same response that i got from yourself it was just like yeah sound lad uh, sure let me know whenever you want to do it and we'll do it you know i'm yeah. i'm trying to get in contact with other people that you know have a big fucking base and as you said you're busy yourself and it's like yeah um i'll let you know in six weeks which is fair enough like everyone has fucking time but it's yeah. As I said on Owen's podcast, it's it's exactly what you see is what you get. You know, it's like boys from the west of Ireland, from Mayo, having the crack and just fucking delighted to be talking to people. So when you said... That's a real west of Ireland thing. 100%. That's it. You just want to be talking shite. Like I was saying to Owen, like, oh, you're probably at something this evening. He goes, no, I'm doing another podcast now after just talking shite with boys. Like he says, sure, <laughs> isn't it great to be able to talk to people? It's it's you're very transparent in like that's it no bullshit straight up, hundred percent. And we we still we still like all the fame that came from the Hardy Bucks or the notoriety or even what I do in Three Bucks Left and everything like that. I'm still delighted to be asked to do these things. I'm still delighted to people come up to me on the streets. I'm still delighted that people want pictures. And that'll never go away. It's a very um humble. We're very humble. We're a very humble. A race of people from the west of Ireland, and that could be a good thing, and it can also be detrimental to to ourselves. We 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 need to put ourselves up there on the pedestal without being pricks about it. Do you know what I mean? But I think um, that's what people think when you're trying to put yourself out there, trying to do something in, especially in the west of Ireland. You know, it's 
it is its own little niche there. They think, ah, oh, that fella fucking thinks he's something. Ah, oh, he's going doing a video and recording. Like, I could imagine at the time when it started, like, there's a couple oh, of boys in fucking Schwinford doing a bit of video. Well, who do they think they are? Like, they think they're in fucking Hollywood. But, you know, I think we have that, uh, we're inclined to go that way in the West of Ireland. Just think, ah, no, no, it'll be grand. We won't fucking say we're too good at anything. Like, did them boys, how did you get meet the boys? We're just all mates, first of all. We all, we all, we were all, we all knew each other. I knew Martin, who played Eddie Durkin, and Martin Maloney uh, first. He moved over from Liverpool when he was twelve or thirteen years of age, and he was getting, he was getting a bit of a hard time because of his accent, I suppose. And I thought he was the funniest thing ever. I thought he was an absolute brilliant, and he had a heart of a pony. Uh, he had just a beautiful heart, wired to the moon, and. Uh, he got a bit of a hard time when he moved over first. And he, I, I think it was always there in Swinford. But then he just went off and he just, he, he never got phased by any of it. Never got phased by any of it. And if you were his, if you were Martin's friend, you were his friend for life. And he, he's, he has the memory of an elephant. He will not forget a single thing. He doesn't, never forgets a name, never forgets a detail, never forgets what's going on in your life. If you didn't talk to Martin Maloney for a year, when you ring him up, when you meet him, and, and I've been lucky enough to do a few shows with him lately again, when you meet him the next time, he'll ask you the exact same thing, that whatever was going on in your life, he will go through that even a year later. And you could meet him once. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. We were, we were in Phoenix, Arizona. We were in London. People have come up to him and say, uh, you know, you probably don't remember me. Uh, I see, you know, I, I, ch- I t- sent you a text. He, knew, he knows it straight away. He's incredible. So anyway, I, I I I thought he was I thought he was a brilliant character, and he was he was always saying that he was going to do these type of things. And of course, they were fantastic. But in my, in my reality, my West of Ireland mind, these things were never come to, going to come to fruition. That's what I was. That's what I was thinking. Um, but then then I met him a few years later. He went into rail and around Europe. Met him a few years later, and he says, "You remember that." you know that show i was telling you about or whatever uh, he said it's going to happen and then of course storyland came up the hardy book started the misty turbo cup i landed the misty turbo cup not having a clue what was going on yeah he just said where i said what will i wear he said where anything you want so i i landed in with the leather trousers that i just had to come just had to come back from america a bit the while i spent in america i bought a pair of leather trousers i had a, an american bandana um i had waistcoats and everything that someone gave me and i just he said wear something as flamboyant as you want so i went in not knowing what was going on that was the missy turbo cup and by christ i'm sorry i didn't make myself available for so many more but then when when i did make myself available when RT took over, we spent days. We spent days, and I've said these in, this in previous podcasts, lots of podcasts. Um, we spent days and weeks filming, and or and I'd be going around to, uh, telling everyone uh, in the everyone that I knew about this scene or this episode that I'm going to be in this opening scene and everything like that. Then, completely, just not, not even a second of it used. Jeez. So I lost hard, I lost complete heart in, in RTE. Like there was so much stuff that even myself and, and Owen Colligan, we done a brilliant episode or a brilliant scene. And it was completely off the cuff. We were down, it was actually when the Viper was getting uh, smacked at the, at the, this is like later on in the series. Um, we had a brilliant scene. It was done so well that 
like the crowd, the crowd, we had to do it so many times again and again because the crowd kept laughing and uh, never showed a second of it, not a second of it. So it was so disheartening to keep for that to keep happening. So I, w- I only went in when it suited myself then, you know. Yeah, it's... Um... It's unreal, as Owen told me, that half it's off the cuff. Like that just yeah. makes it even better. You can tell. Yeah. It's funny, right? So I, I'm out in Perth here now, as, as I told you, and the Hardy books is still fucking hilarious. I've been out here nine weeks now, and every week yeah. I've watched it. Uh, Mitzi Turbo Cup, obviously, one of the highlights of the episode or the whole season. You were saying that. Oh, yeah. oh. Still my. my- yeah, exactly. And I was actually thinking today, I'm like, where did when did Cowboy make his first appearance? But you're telling me it was the Mitzi Turbo, obviously. Uh, and Owen was saying that, like, let's say when Martin had the idea that uh, we just decided to pick up a camera. And like when he described it to me, I had it in my head. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. It was, you know, it was fairly amateur. But then when you look back, like they had the little storyline. It wasn't as amateur as people made out when it started off. So obviously, as you said, Martin had, you know, had a, a good vision. Oh, he's serious vision, and so did Chris Turdoff as well. Um, their brain runs on a different level. Chris's, believe it or not, if, if you were to meet Chris Turdoff, who played the Viper, um, walking down the street, you would not recognize him. He's so quiet, so placid, doesn't look anything like his character. The hair is brushed back like real, real gen- uh, like gentry. Um, very soft demeanor. You would not recognize him at all. Whereas Martin, you'd spot him a mile away. You'd hear him before you'd see him. But Chris's brain works worked on a different level. Um, he could see stuff that could be edited that no one else could see. Even like you know the 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 Mitzi, the the flashing images. Yeah, he, that all was. It it made it it made it so. It made it so. Uh, it looked amateur. And it looked, but it was genius at the same time. Oh, that set the tone for some of it, man. Last week, we were watching a couple of them. Myself and two of the boys, we have to give them a shout out because they're massive fans. Shane O'Connor, Jack Maloney. And we'd be watching it fucking most weekends. You know, what we do Friday night, we'll chill out, we watch fucking bit of the Hardy Books. And uh, one of the scenes came up and it was Pat Kenny just flashed up twice with like porn sounds in the back and we just lost it like that was that was just an intermission between two scenes and we're like we thought about it deep not too deep we said boys had to sit down and pick out particular things like a fucking pill with a mitsubishi sign on it or something random like and they obviously were sitting sitting down saying that's going to be fucking hilarious and the even the act of that the boys sitting down thinking yeah, we'll put Pat Kenny in with just porn sounds in the back and it'll be fucking quality. It's I just, can, it's just nearly, genius. I can nearly guarantee. I can nearly guarantee that that's, that, that little bit would have been Martin Maloney. That's Martin Maloney's humour. He, he would, with all his intelligent high cuffs stuff that he has in his brain, that would, that would be Martin. That would be what would get Martin Maloney going. That's just his humour down to a T. But it works. And the two of them worked together. And it was a perfect storm. A perfect storm. It was a great time in Ireland as well, or it was a bad time in Ireland, but it was a great time to make something like that. People were moving away and people wanted something to latch on to. I said it previously as well. It's funny that the the time that I start getting back into the Hardy books is when I move away. You just want a kind of little taste of Ireland. I suppose that was given a bit of yeah. taste of Ireland at the time, just boys hanging around. And it's funny because... The funniest parts in it are the stupidest parts, like the fucking carrot in a bag of water. 
because that's I'm just yeah. thinking of the Mitzig Turbo Cup, the Stig, like they're all just stupid things, but they're fucking hilarious and yeah, no, stupid but clever as well at the same time. You just know what what will hit the. the oh, percent You can do something stupid and it's just ridiculous, but again, like that Pat Kenny, it's fucking brilliant. And maybe you were on about saying how you know fucking RT narrowed it down and everything on TV has to be so fucking polished and everything. And they couldn't probably understand why the fuck Pat Kenny would be hilarious. But ye kind yeah. of fucking probably knew that that's why that would be funny and that's the people that be watching it. It's, it's, mainstream has gone so, they're even trying to, to turn like all platforms now so um, conservative. It's not, it's it's just crazy. Um, whether something like that will be made again, I don't know. And I, I, I don't know why, because at the end of the day, in my in my head, comedy really has no boundaries. Obviously, there's things that you don't touch. If someone, we'll just say someone dies, or somebody like a kid dies, you don't make fun of that. I mean, you'd be, you'd be crazy, man, to do something like that. Or someone gets raped. You don't make a personal joke about that. You'd be stupid. But when it comes to groups or or anyone, no one is no one is off limits. Whether you be white, black, communist, Roscommonist, <laughs> anyone. It's all it's all above board. As long as it's not as long as you get don't get nasty and personal. If it's funny, that that should be an umbrella for all types of humor. Uh, or all types of um Everything, all types of topics, all types of groups, all types of religions, um, you know, female, male. It should be all, you know, on the cards. It should be all up there for, for scrutiny and for uh, to use use of comedy. Like Jordan Peterson said, when you when you try and quieten down comedy, when a society tries and, and quietens down comedy, well, then you know that you're in, the, in a bad society because... Like the gesture, this they used, they used to be they all say, the gesture is the only one in, in the courtyard that's able to tell the truth. Comedy com- comedians are, are another Jordan Peterson uh, line is um, uh, comedies are c- canaries in the coal mine. They'll be the first ones to see. You have to be clever as well. You have to be clever to be a comedian. You know you have to know how to make something that's real and that's happening now and poignant. And turn it into be funny. Yeah, hundred percent. The comedians aren't clowns like we think. Um, it perfectly goes on to one thing I had written down, which was like the three books left, and let's say your Instagram and TikTok has boomed over the last two years. And like, yes. what you essentially do is, for a lot of them, express your uh, opinions, but put it in a, a comedic way. Yeah. And some of them can be like. Yeah. I don't agree with fucking the government, whatever. Has there been any backlash? I'm sure there has, but which has been the ba- biggest backlash oh, to particular posts? Like some of my posts, there's a message in them. A lot of my posts, there's a message in them. And I'll do it in a funny way. I might put throw in something ridiculous into it just to just to give it that humorous flair. But there's definitely a message in them, in them longer ones I know that you're talking about, especially the anti-government or the anti-lockdown ones. Uh, more so, or anti, I use, for my opinions, like climate change. I am not a big believer in climate change. I think, you know, common sense. We are going around uh, with paper straws, but yes, there's there's factories popping up left, right, and centre. 
Um, people are flying left, right, and centre. Yes, we're being told in Ireland to cut or to to kill two hundred thousand cattle. It makes no fucking sense. Um, the the ginger thing now that was a big backlash, but it worked in my it worked seriously in my favour. Um, I That's was what I thought out, as well what? in terms of like yeah. you actually blowing up them things when people agree with you. Rather than people saying, no, I'm not going to listen to him. People say, no, he's fucking right. I agree with that point. And it's funny yeah. that it, it'll actually increase the page. Oh, a thousand percent. Because all, all I'm saying is my, 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 my belief and what I consider fact. And most people, when they think about it and society, would agree, would agree with me. But I would be doing something wrong. If everyone agreed with me, I would be just pandering to the to the populace, which I don't want to do. I want to I want to get my opinion out there, but I'm not. I'm trying to do it in a way that everyone can use the platform. People that agree with me and don't agree with me, I'm not going to get nasty. If you see any of the responses, I get some nasty comments. I'll always respond to them in a very respectful way. You're you're coming on a comedy page that pulls no punches, and you're complaining when I do. You know. Don't you know? Just keep going. Just keep scrolling on. If you don't like the content, keep going. But I have no problem getting back now. Some of them I can never get back to. Some of them, there's thousands of comments or, or hundreds of, of of comments on them, and private messages. I can't get back to them all, but I try and get back to as many as possible. But I always be respectful when I'm. But you know, some people then like the other day, uh, someone complained about one of my pint drinking videos, and I thought to myself. Right, you know they're so subtle, they're so soft. You know, it's, it's just drinking a pint and something quick in it. And I just said, I just said, listen, man, if you don't like the content, just, just you know, I said, oh, he said something about, does that make you feel manly? And I said, does that make you feel, feel manly that um, that to, to write that comment? And about nine messages later, you can see the thread where we trashed it out. We we found a, a common ground in jiu-jitsu. And suddenly we were, listen, man, sorry for, you know, commenting on your page. And, you know, we were, I felt like going over and, and going for a pint with them. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. But especially when you're on a page like that and you know there's going to be backlash, you're going to have to yeah. expect, um, first of all, that you know people have different opinions because you have different opinions than everyone else and they're, they're fucking well entitled to. At yeah. the same time, you said it's so, so easy to just fucking scroll on i i don't know like even just obviously he sounded like a, a, a nice fella in the end but jesus christ yeah. imagine imagine you're taking your time especially for a pint drinking video like jesus a lot more serious than that that you're saying right oh, i'm going on i'm going to message this fella now and i'm going to change his mind like a lot of the time especially when you're arguing with people on comments it's not like i've never i've actually never seen it and you see it on twitter football you know football discussions i've never so seen someone say do you know what you're right, and I was wrong, and I'm going to change my opinion now. It's just fucking time wasting. Obviously, you're open yeah, to conversations. People spend their days arguing with people, hours spent online arguing with people that they don't know, they'll never meet, and then they wonder why they're miserable and frustrated at the end of it. And you could be the same but, there. But you could, if you reply to every comment and try to fucking convince everyone that you're right, yeah. but sure, you'd be sitting in a room there on the phone doing, you wouldn't be able to go to work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, the, if if I have no problem, if if I'm proven wrong, I have, I'll be the first one to put my hand up. And that's a dying trait with people. People are so convinced that they're right, they, they won't they won't let anything sink in. 
And all it takes is a little step back and a little bit of uh, insightful thought into yourself. And then you you realize well, people are so wound up and then there's just pig ignorant people uh, these days. And it's just, it's frightening. Mm. And that's what's happening in the world. There's so many, no one, no one has the rationale to think, you know what, I could be wrong. Uh, I see it on the on the on the Twitter comments, and sometimes I find myself just scrolling, and I think I'm fucking wasting my time watching these people fight, even though it's a bit of entertainment. But like, yeah, yeah. imagine these people they're they're sitting down and they're fucking getting out the keyboard warriors, and they're saying, "No, I'm going to comment under this fucking video, Ronaldo, and I'm going to write three paragraphs to why Messi is better, and expect the fella that put up the video to say, "Fuck it, do you know what? You're fucking right," but. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose that's what the internet's for. You can argue and you can hash in it out and you can yeah. talk to people. Just talk about um, and thinking about how you said you'd go for a pint with that fella. I'm sure there's been a good few friendships and relationships made out of, of the page and the Hardy books overall. Oh, hundreds. Hundreds of pages, especially from the live shows and meeting up with people in live shows and bringing them on board and maybe getting them to do stuff for... There's oh there's some brilliant friendships from even being online or even being in the opportunity to meet people because you, you had a page and they had a page and like there's just so many people I've met and some of them are very good friends like the likes of Sean McMahon he came on board through the Hardy Bucks uh, he was the sound engineer an absolute genius one of, well, you know a, a dear friend and there's there's so many of them I I couldn't even mention them but. There's, then there's people that, you know, comment on the page or share share your stuff all the time and you send them a thanks, you know, for sharing it all the time and they keep coming back and you nearly become, you become friends that way online. Like this person nearly becomes a friend and, and probably comes to the live shows and you meet them and they're great crack and become friends through that. They just like what you do and you, you do, like, you do notice these people that keep liking, keep sharing, and eventually then, it's like, you'd miss them if they didn't, you know, yeah. you'd be waiting for them to, to share. And it's mad that so. you are, like, nearly surprised that that's a thing, whereas when you're, if you're a young person now, the most common way people are meeting people is through dating sites, and people are gaming with people online, and most of their friends are online, but I suppose for a kind of an older generation, the fact that that's a possibility is a bit fucking over our head, being like, I, I actually became a f- friends with a fella through the internet and you're nearly embarrassed about it being like, you know, uh, it's, you know he's all right, he's not a fucking psycho, he's actually a normal fella. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's mad. I'm sure the live shows are great. We'll get on to the live shows, but I had a question down here because I thought about it when I was watching the episode of... This is where I need Shane O'Connor now. This man's a genius with episodes. He'd be like, oh, that'd be um, episode seven, part one, wasn't it? And I'd be like, that can't be right, throw it on. He's exactly right. But anyways, where you go drinking in the um where you go drinking up in the woods and you're there and you're chatting away and boys are getting steamed. Were you drinking in a good few of them episodes? Because it seemed if not the acting was oh, unbelievable. Yeah. That one that I love that. That was the YouTube stuff. We were all we were all now we'd only just charted in fairness to us at that stage. And the the crack was great, and there's a scene where, you know, I'm I'm dancing on the fire, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm dancing on the fire, and uh, uh, Tom the boo falls into the fire. He genuinely fell into the fire, and then the next day he wakes. He, one of the next things is, is, is Tom uh, with a big gash 
on on his forehead where he fell into the fire. But he also fell down the town that night as well. So that was a that was a continuation. That that was that made it so so real. Well, I remember seeing that little cut in his head, and that's when I was realizing I was like, "Them boys were fucking steamed. Like that wasn't acting. Them boys were just fucking having the crack, like you would up at a fucking bonfire, and they were just mouthing." And I was like, "That is that's that's why it is the fucking best show. Like it's just unbelievable." Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you when it started to finish up, let's say the RT series, and you kind of decided or. The question is, how do you decide to go into three books? Was there a load of interest still? And people are kind of saying, you know, you felt that there was still a niche there. Or were a couple of you just being like, you know, we'll keep this going. The three books thing came a couple of years after the Hardy Books left. What happened there was the live, the Hardy Books live shows uh, came to Ireland. Martin done a few shows. Now, the Hardy Books had always been doing live shows. But I don't think that the boys will give out to me for saying this, they were atrocious. They'll be the first ones to say it. it was just lads on stage doing daft out shite that made no sense. Like, there was no script. There was no, not not that there was a script in the Harry Box, but there was no rhyme or reason to it. It was just lads with flamethrowers, like links, and, and it just <laughs> didn't make it. it that's okay for, for five or six minutes, but people are paying to come in and see something, and it's just ridiculous. There's no, there's no punchlines or anything like that. That went on for a few years, and I actually think the live show got a bad name from it. And and the lads will the lads will be the first to say this. Now I wasn't involved in that. Then they then they came up with a, a better sort of model of it, and they were up on stage. And I went up to see them a couple of times in Dublin, and again it was better, but it just it wasn't as good as what they could be. Like they were all individually brilliant, and they were just coming out same sort of thing individually doing daft old shite that made no sense for five or six minutes each and then they'd, they'd go and then maybe something at the end made no sense but then Martin Maloney went away and he wrote an, an actual live episode and he, he went away and, and, and made, wrote a live episode where everyone had parts and I went up to see them in Belfast and it was brilliant, brilliant show and I and I said to Martin, I said, Martin, I said, I'd love to be involved in this. He said, I'll write you in. I said, Well, when is the next show? He said, Vic, he said, the next show is a big one in Vicker Street. I said, I'd love to be a part. So my first time on stage was walking onto Vicker Street Vicker Street. So for anyone that's not watching this, or uh, for anyone that's watching this and is not from Ireland, Vicker Street is the would be the pinnacle of we'd say Irish comedy, or it's one of the it's an iconic venue. And so I got to go out onto the Vicar Street stage and be part of the live show and it was absolutely unreal. I just loved it from the sec from even be- before during the day in the green room, being looked after, having all the boys together, having the crack, uh, the, you know, the Vicar Street looking after us, going for food, the whole works. It was unreal and I just fell in love with it and I just thought, I want to keep doing this. This is incredible. It's a, like a, there's a camaraderie and we then myself and Pete. I, but the only problem is, I knew that there was only like seven or eight shows of this going to be happening. So I was talking to French Touch, Peter Cassidy, and we said we'd 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 set up a page. And at, at the beginning, Mikey Salmon came on board with us as well. At the beginning, but Mikey Mikey just didn't have the same growth for the for the live stuff, and it was all for the live stuff. Uh, it was all to have a page so that we could do a live show, write our own live show. And um, 
but Mikey came with us along for a while, and then he just he just lost love for us. So it was just me and, and French Toast now. So that's when we set it up. It was initially called uh, I think it was French Toast Salmon and Cowboy, uh, but it was too long. It was way too long on the on any of the, the pages. So we shortened it. We were thinking for months what could we think of, and it was. Pete, it was Pete that came up with three bucks left. We came up with all, oh, we we're going to call it Smoke and Mirrors, we were going, but that was already taken. That was my favorite one. Um, and then we came up with three bucks left. But we're sorry now we didn't hold out a little bit longer because it would have been nice to have a name. Well, A, firstly, with another number in it because there's really only two of us at the minute. And B, it would have been nice to make our own name without bucks in it without the hardy bucks as much as we love the hardy bucks it it throws us into a niche and a lot of our stuff would be even more a lot different to the hardy bucks like a lot of stuff is similar but it's very different at the same time um but we'll always be known as the hardy bucks like even when even when uh we've been on television or we've been on radio or anything like that we're still introduced as the hardy bucks and not three bucks left yeah and you know? but you still, I was only thinking about that when I was, uh, just before you came on, I was thinking like, you know, you would introduce, you would introduce in all oh, featured in the Hardy Books as I did, but now more so than an awful lot of characters that would have been involved in a show, you are an awful lot different and so much further away. A lot of people probably would know you, know you from three books left and have to wonder like what what his Hardy books like. You've done a, a very good job of kind of dissing yourself from it uh, on social media. And it was the first thing I thought of like three books left kind of their own page rather than Hardy books. They were kind of, as you said, side characters and Hardy book went off and did their own thing. So um, yeah. it's it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, it's a t- you see, and we've, we've made such, we, we've gone to shows now, even in Ireland, and not one person would have even heard of the Hardy Bucks. That must so be. I, I must be proud of that thing like. at the beginning to just to establish. Oh, I, I'm very proud of it. The only thing is, it makes. I I I had to write in a bit in the, in the beginning of the show. At the beginning of the show, uh, to find out if there was any Hardy Bucks fans in the in the house because it, it changes the dynamics of the show, we have a different ending to it if there's Hardy Bucks fans and if there's no Hardy Bucks fans or very few Hardy Bucks fans, that it won't make any sense that if there's no Hardy Bucks fans, it's, you'll be talking as well, I'm talking to your toe. Mm. So we, we change, there's a couple of things that change when when we know the dynamics of the crowd. Uh, but we that took a while to figure out. We were over in London and we'd done a prestigious comedy club, uh, the Ancient Comedy Club in the Bill Murray. And we had uh, the Sunday night and we had the Monday night sold out. It's only a small venue, you can only hold about 100 people. Uh, but it's very prestigious uh, club. So we had the Sunday night and the Monday night uh, sold out. No, sorry, the Monday and the Tuesday night sold out in London. And then they said, you know what, that sold out so quickly that why don't you do the Sunday night? Now, we'd only a couple of weeks to, to push that and sell the tickets. But what happened was, a lot of Londoners and a lot of English people bought the tickets for the first night, the Sunday night. And we hadn't really changed up any, any of the show to suit an English crowd. So when I said any Hardy Bucks fans in the house or, or, or deliver the punchline or deliver the line, any Hardy Bucks fans in the house, no one, no one knew who we were talking about. So that was like, yes. <laughs> On the back. So I went away and, 
Yeah. So the next, the next, um, the next two nights were all Irish. So they they were all huge Hardy Bucks fans. Um, but that was different. But I swore that that never happened again. So I went away and wrote something that would be more international for people that don't know the Hardy Bucks. So you're saying about like changing from the Sunday to the Tuesday or whatever couple of days it was, changing from the first show to the third show. And let's say when you were behind stage in, in Vicar Street, you were loving it. Like, was there always a bit of a creativity bug in you or did you just fall into it and enjoy it? I, I probably fell into it and enjoy it. Now, growing up, I, I loved, I loved, I was very shy. I was actually my first few years in school. I um, I was one of the popular kids, and whatever happened to me after second or third class, I got into I, I got into my own head, and I, I I didn't come out of it for years later. And you know what it was? I was got mad into like a lot of music, the Doors, um, especially the Doors, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones. So I always wanted to, I always dreamed of doing something like Jim Morrison's American Prayer, real deep uh, sort of written word and, and a spoken word and a bit of music behind it. Of course, life sort of took over. I had kids very young. Um, I had a lot of responsibilities very young. I was working for my father who had a big uh, construction company. I had three or four houses by the time I was 24, 25. So that all got lost, which is probably the reason that I didn't get into the Hardy Bucks as much. And 
that creative thing, it was only bubbling underneath. And it was only in the last couple of years that I just exploded with creativity. Every day I come up with a different sketch. I'd love to do long form videos. Um, I know Pete would as well. French stores would love to do more long form videos. And we were shooting them with cameras there to be in and three bucks left, like cameras from like really shitty phones. And the content was there. It looks shit, but the, the humor is very much there. So now I don't know what creativity bogus has bitten me. I'm literally have something planned every day. I could I could put up I could put up five or six different videos a day if I had the time. Jeez, that's savage. And yeah. so like you're designing shows, you're planning out shows. Uh would would it be how what would it be the split between yourself and Pete um designing and kind of the input into a show? It's it's very much uh, it's very much me. I would say, and people people tell you this too. It is definitely eighty to ninety percent. My definitely on social media. On social media, it's definitely ninety five percent me on social media. As for the live show, Pete does his thing. It w- it would definitely be me, and, and Peter be the first one to first one to say it. Um, but I like I like it. I'm a little bit of a when it comes. I like to micromanage. What, what we're doing I really do but when Pete the thing is when Pete has no interest in social media um, when it when it comes to the live show then Pete is just phenomenal he, he just bursts with energy bursts with energy he's like a he's just he's like a firecracker um, but yeah how did he come along then so you said you enjoyed it but did he just do the same thing and say yeah I want to get into it and keep it going yeah, well, the the live shows definitely, and I, I I think a bit like me and the Hardy Bucks never thought it would it would become as big as it did, and suddenly now we're going to America in October. I've already been to America doing shows. We're going in October again, and we're doing all these shows. We could literally, if given enough time, I know that we could do any venue in, in Ireland cool. and even in England if we put our heads to it. I seen you're out in Phoenix yeah. there recently with uh, Martin, and you did a bit of a show. Would it be? Is it kind of the setup where if someone's available, they go do a show, or is it is it more planned than that? The, the, you see, the show is I do all this. I do all stand up. It's direct stand up. It's energetic stand up. I have my own like show, and I can stop and start and introduce people in for a few minutes, and then there's a little bit where me and Pete do together, and I and I I would say that we're the only two that could do it together. I, I don't think I could envisage doing it with anyone else. It's a, it's a lot of quips back and forth for about five or six minutes, but it's brilliant. Try doing it with Fred Cook one day because Pete couldn't make it. It's very rare that Pete can't make it, and it just didn't have the same uh, feel to it. Uh, but yeah, anyone can join in. I can change the show the night before to suit. Uh, so I'll go in, I'll open up, then I'll introduce someone on for a while, uh, give it a bit of a break, come on, do a few more minutes. Maybe then Pete will come on and do 25 minutes. Then we'll have a quick interval. Pete comes on, introduces me on, and then I'll just see at home. I'll do most of my set in the second half. I could go on for 40 minutes if I, if I needed to in the second half on my own um, after doing like maybe 40 minutes in the in the first half. But I, I know for a fact that if I, if I had to, I could go and do the show myself for, for two hours. Fucking I just obviously man. have to have some sort of a plan to it. That's mental to me, like because stand up, it's one of them. 
it's one of them forms of entertainment that I think is the hardest one because it's just you everyone's waiting on the words and how you deliver it and stuff like that if there's a couple of you on stage you can get away with stuff if you're doing stand up by yourself like that's some jump to go from a little feature to a stand up show by yourself yeah I absolutely I absolutely love it I am as Pete would say the only time I switch off is when I'm on stage Right, so it's kind of a release. You set that down in Limerick. Yeah, yeah. It's just all the work that I've done uh, to put into it or to plan into it when a show goes the way it should go. Now you get you'll often get a stinker when you won't often get a stinker, but you get a a show that you just didn't. You just knew that the crowd makes an awful difference too. If you warm up the crowd and they're they're up first, the show is absolutely incredible. I'm proud of it. I, I would. I would go and see it myself. And Pete said one day, he said, this is the mark of this show. He said, I would pay money to go and see our own show. He said, and I wouldn't go see anyone. And he wouldn't. Pete's, Pete's, Pete's happy to let the world go by, you know, from his, from his bedroom or from his bed or from a um, hammock out between two trees <laughs> if he could get away from God. So... What's the um, what's the schedule? What's the plan? You were saying that you're flat out with shows. Like, what's the kind of uh, what's a week look like for you, or what's the next couple of months look like? We're only after doing three shows last weekend. We're doing um, we've only one show this weekend in Tipperary, but then we've uh, we were running shows. We're back in we're in Galway. We've two mass shows coming up in Galway over the summer. Uh, with Roisin Dove, it's, it's an iconic venue in Galway City. Galway City. They weren't doing the Shearwater in Galway. That's that's an eight hundred seater venue. Uh, we're doing the INEC in Killarney. That's that's a brilliant venue, big venue. We're doing a couple of shows in Dublin. I could literally do be doing shows. I'd say every night of the week if if I organise myself properly. Uh, what I need to do now is just sit down and get back to oh at least fifty emails of, of venues looking for us that I haven't got back to or haven't set a date. So there's always shows dropping. And that's the beauty of having the platform or having the page. And that was the idea of the page, so that we could put a show on in four weeks in advance and sell tickets for it. Um, that's the idea of it anyway. And most times it works out. Sometimes you, you, a show just won't connect. There might be something on at the same night in the same place. So there's always the risk of that. But generally, you get a good crowd. And uh, if you book it way in advance, you could book big venues. And I just love the big venues. I just love the whole interview of it. Jesus Christ, 50 emails waiting and venues fucking coming out your arse and you're here chatting to me. So I think it's a kind of a, a sign of what the Hardy books are like. Um, unfortunately, I'm over in Perth. Unless you're planning to do an Australian tour, I won't get to see it, but I'd fucking love to. We are, of course, Stephen. We're always being asked to go down to Australia. Always. Now, we're going back to the States in October and we're going to do New York and Boston. And then, like, the, the, the plan for next year is is the States uh, or the down under in, in Australia. Uh, I know a few people in Australia that I'd love to go and visit in Australia and uh, do a few shows as well. Yeah, have so a nice, a nice trip out of it as well. Always. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's the beauty of, uh, you know, going over to the States, getting everything paid for, getting your food accommodation paid for, your drink as much as you want, and then coming home with more money than you went with. I mean, <laughs> that's the dream. Sounds like a good weekend at Cheltenham. <laughs> you'd like to think so yeah anyway Steve thanks a million for joining me absolute pleasure and that's uh, another one of the boys down I'm looking put in a good word for me for the boys get on to Martin all the boys say there's a fellow you have, have to talk to there and we'll get the whole crew on <laughs> if 
if you if you can, if you can guess if you can guess um, if Martin uh, even though sometimes we can't get through to Martin if you can get through to Martin he's up for anything anything and I I'll get Martin on to you he's actually coming over again in a few weeks he's going doing more shows so that might be a good time to get him um, that is on the the end of this month but you um, you get us a couple of venues in Perth and I'll get you all the boys there you go. I, I even try and get the vibe. <laughs> That that even reminds me of a quote you said uh, the when oh when it was the boo talking to you You're like oh, I need to get men it's like what the fuck what what's going on here you, can you tell me something that's going on no no I can't I've got a big job on here now I can't say anything another great scene I think that was the I don't know what scene that was Shane O'Connor will have to tell me but anyways. that's that's the one I was trying to think of it boys of summer fucking hell you're you're sharp on them yourself hey. Yeah, do you know what? I don't know how I am. It must be. It's just that, that it took years to filter in. The boy, there's lads to be telling me about scenes that I was in myself, and I haven't a clue what they're talking about. And it was only, it's only lately that I, I went back and watched the Harry Box. Then I was like, that's what he was on. You'll have to get onto RTE and get some of that unreleased stuff and release it yourselves. I know there's there's untold amounts of video uh, material that. Whether RT has it or Chris uh, the Viper has it, I don't know, but it would it would definitely be a sight for sore eyes for for that stuff to be I released. Always to pay good money for. Anyways, I am um, gentlemen, Stephen, absolute pleasure and all the best. I'm sure uh, I'll get to a show at some stage. Yeah, hundred percent, Stephen. Thank you.